So we have been in our series, The Call, looking at the call of God upon us, and I started um, looking at um, the call to be with Jesus, that before we're called to do anything, we're called to be someone, before we're called to something, we're called to someone, and we've been looking at Luke chapter 5, 1 to 11, which talks about the story, or tells the story of when Jesus called his first disciples, and when Jesus went into the boat with Simon Peter. We've been unpacking that together. And then last week we started the second call, which is the call to walk in holiness. And um, we looked at how we are called to be separated from the world, that holiness means to be separate from and moral purity, and we unpacked what that looks like. And as I said to you last week, we're going to be <coughs> excuse me, doing two parts, but I have to say... I reserve the right to extend this part of the call. Uh, that's, that's the privilege I get as the pastor here. So uh, only because as you dive into the call to holiness, there is just so much there. And the reality is we could do, you know, 15 weeks on that. But we looked at that. And then we come to the second part this week. And we're going to look at a very interesting subject. You know, I was speaking with a very good friend of mine this week. And we were reflecting on the call to walk in holiness. And he said, hey, Mark, uh, he, he was serving in one of the teams on Sunday. So he, he wasn't at the talk, but he listened to it afterwards. Indeed, at this point, can I just say, if you've missed any of the talks, of course, you can catch up on our YouTube channel. Hello to everybody there online. And do hit that subscribe button and that bell notification to get important updates as we release them. But all of that to say, he was watching the update, uh, the, the talk. And he said, hey, Mark, I've got some questions. I mean, I get it. And, and I felt, you know, there was this conviction and this this almost this sense that I wanted to walk in holiness. But as a Christian who's lived many, many, many years, I have to deal with the reality that my life doesn't always look victorious and that what do you do when you want to overcome and yet you have this, here we go again, here we go again. Now, that is a very good question. And um, as he reflected and as I reflected, those five points that I gave you at the end of the talk last week are a way in which we can help position ourselves to allow the Holy Spirit in us to change us from the inside out. Because holiness, you see, is not a manufactured work. Holiness is about allowing the work of the Spirit in our life to transform us to the likeness of Jesus. That's holiness. You can't, you can't skip the inward change and go straight to the outward because it will never work. Outward change comes from the inward change in us. But as I was reflecting on that and... and, and as I've been reflecting on Thursday, as I prepared my talk, it, it dawned on me that what we're going to be speaking about this morning is, I think, one of the answers to that very important question of how. And it is a topic which I guess is one of the most difficult and misunderstood, but as we will see, I hope, uh, one of the most important and necessary for us. And it is this subject, it is the fear of the Lord. Now, the holy and healthy fear of the Lord is an important, and yet, I think at its best, forgotten about, and at its worst, I would say, intentionally ignored. I think some of you older in the faith probably can recount in your childhood some sermons or talks about the holy fear of the Lord, and, and yet in our present day, do we hear much about the fear of the Lord? Probably don't, right? 
At best, we forget it. At worst, we intentionally ignore it. Why is that the case? Well, I kind of was thinking through, why is that the case? And I came up with four reasons, which I want to share as way of a preface to this talk. Because this, these four reasons might speak to some of your instincts to recoil almost from that fear of the Ooh, there's just something about that phrase I don't like. And I think there might be four reasons why. The first one is this, is that commonly fear is deemed always negative, isn't it? You know, on a basic level, we associate fear with purely negative connotations and negative things. In fact, we try all we can to eliminate and negate any fear whatsoever in our life, don't we? And I think it's fair to say that much of the negativity or negative things or fear-based things in our lives are things that we want to eradicate, of course. For example, it is a healthy fear of being run over that stops me running in the road. That is actually a positive fear, right? It is a healthy fear of being electrocuted that means I don't play around with 240 volts, right? That's a healthy fear. It is a healthy fear of not looking like a complete idiot that stops me from playing golf. <laughs> that is a positive and healthy fear. I'm just jealous of all you golf people. I can play well. I just want to plug. We have an amazing, for, for our part of the men's ministry, uh, we have Max and Tim who head up a fantastic and very active golf club. So if you do like golf and you don't have a healthy fear of looking like an idiot and you've gone through a measure of healing, which I clearly need to do, um, then why don't you sign up for that club? You see... It is the same with the fear of the Lord. It is not a negative fear. It is a fear that is healthy and that there is blessing with it. It brings us protection and enables us to walk in holiness. That's the number one objection normally to the fear of the Lord. Number two, we think it's just an Old Testament thing, don't we? We erroneously think that to fear God was something in the Old Testament, that the God of the Old Testament was some kind of God, and the God of the New Testament is a, is a different kind of God. You know, the God in the Old Testament wanted to obliterate everybody, and the God of the New Testament, that's my kind of God, he loves everyone. Like, that is a lie of the enemy to suggest to you that they are different gods. It's the same God. It is the same God. In fact, we see the wrath of God in the New Testament so specifically in the cross. The difference is it's pointed towards Jesus who took it for us. Because God is still just. He will always be just. That's for another time, for another sermon. And so we think, therefore, that the fear of the Lord is something that we would have done in the Old Testament times, but now under grace and love, there is no necessary for the fear of the Lord. That is incorrect, as we shall see. Number three, here's another objection. We major on, this is a biggie, we major on love and minor on everything and anything else. Can I just say as a parenthesis, some love can be sinful. It says in 1 John that if we love the world, that is sinful. The trap we get into as Christians is, well, if it's love, it must be from God. Therefore, it's okay. That gets you into all sorts of problems. Because not every love is good. And that's for another talk and for another day. Someone make it a note of these other talks and other days, because... <laughs> We could just create a new sermon series right now. That would save me a lot of time. 
Now, I want to just at this point out some resources. I would like to uh, show you this book, The Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul. R.C. Sproul passed away, I think, in 2017. He is a reformed theologian and pastor. I wouldn't agree with all his theology, but what a godly man. And this is a seminal work on the holiness of God. If you want to read a book that's going to get you on your knees in awe of God, then can I recommend this one? Also, um, some of you would have heard John Bevere. This is a very uh, famous book, The Fear of the Lord, that he wrote. And I benefited from some of his talks as I have studied this subject. And I will be quoting and, and using some of that material, so I credit him for that. In fact, a sister in Christ emailed me this week, I think on Thursday or Friday, and said, um, by the way, uh, I'm really excited about the fact you're preaching on fear of the Lord. Have you heard of John Bevere's new book, The Awe of God? So I haven't yet. Thank you, sister, for sending that to me, but I'm sure that's very good. So let's put those there, some resources for you. And so I'm going to benefit from, from these uh, brothers here who have written about this, not least, of course, the study in the Word. But to quote John Bevere... He says, we fall into the trap of trying to sell Jesus, not preach Jesus. Now, this is some hidden truth and nugget right here. We fall into the trap of trying to sell Jesus, not preach Jesus. But selling is different than preaching. When you sell something, you want people to be appealed by the benefits of what you're trying to sell them, right? Right? You major on the benefits. You talk about how the cost is, how the price is so low and the running costs are so small. You talk about the ease of convenience that this new product will give you. And boy, don't we try and sell Jesus. We want to remove any objections that we think someone may have. We want to demonstrate how easy it is. We want to major on the love and in so doing, when we try and sell Jesus, we don't sell the real Jesus at all. We preach a false Jesus. What we have to do if you go down that path is scrap out a ton of the Bible and a ton of God's truth. Because when you talk about picking up one's cross daily, how are you going to use that when you sell Jesus? When you talk about living a life of holiness and moral purity, how do you talk about that when you try and sell Jesus? That mentality is what gave rise to the seeker-sensitive churches. Let's sell Jesus and remove any, any potential barriers of objections and make it as easy as possible. And in so doing, we don't preach the gospel of Christ. We sell something completely different. That's not to mean that we're not aware and targeting of those that are seeking God, but there is a difference between targeting and being sensitive to by removing what we perceive as being objections. But I go with the Apostle Paul on this one. I'm not afraid of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. There is no power in selling. There is only power in preaching the gospel of Christ. And so what happens with the fear of the Lord is we don't want to go there because we want to remove any perception of objections and, oh boy, this might be a bit hard. Listen, I've got to be honest with you. I think it's easier not being a Christian than it is being a Christian. I mean, people say, oh, it's a crutch being a Christian. Really? Have you tried it? My life was easy before I became a Christian. I did whatever I wanted to do, and that was it. Now, of course, I walk in the blessings now, and I have a peace that surpasses all understanding now, and I've got eternal destination now with Jesus. And so I think because of the fear of the Lord, we don't want to go there. 
We major on love to such a degree and hyper grace, we miss out the power in God's word. Number four, this is a long preface, I don't mind. Um, I think this is a really important one and I think this probably speaks to some of you in the room now. What are the other reasons why we don't talk about the fear of the Lord? Number four, we've been hurt or even worse, abused by bad and legalistic teaching on the fear of the Lord. It's been used as a hammer to control people. Oh, you've got to be fearful right now because, boy, you're a bad person. Maybe, we've been, maybe you are in this room or watching online and, and, and as I'm speaking, the Holy Spirit is reminding you of an occasion where you've been bashed over the head metaphorically with bad teaching on the fear of the Lord and it's wound you up in a place of being scared of God. And you're like, I'm not going there anymore. God willing, the teaching that I'm going to bring is going to add some, bring some correctness to that and some healing, I pray. And so there's the four reasons. Fear is always deemed negative when it's not. We think it's just an Old Testament thing when it's not. I mean, if you have to read the, the epistles, the letters to the churches, you see uh, the writers talking about the fear of the Lord. Jesus himself talked about it. Three, we major on love and minor on anything and everything else because we want to sell Jesus, not preach Jesus. And four, we've been hurt or even worse, abused by bad and legalistic teaching. So... As way of a preface, that's why I think we rarely talk about uh, the fear of the Lord. I want to share a story that, yeah, we're definitely going to have a part three next week, you know. <clears throat> part two, preface, part three, introduction, part four, teaching. No, I'm just kidding. Um, as I was watching a talk from John Bevere, as I said, I, I credit um, some of this content with, with, with him. <clears throat> he shared a story back in the... Um, early 90s, and he's called to go and see a very famous evangelist who was in prison. Now, during the 80s, this, this evangelist was, was, had the largest ministry in the US. He was on all of the T God TV channels, and he had books and everything, and he was a fiery preacher by John Bevere's um, recollection. And he was called to see this uh, preacher in prison, now this preacher had been um, convicted of mail fraud, so you know, sending out mail and getting money, and uh, he had a sentence of 45 years, which was reduced to five years, and it was across CNN every day. Some of you might know who I'm talking about, and um, and so John Bevere goes to see him in his fourth year of incarceration, and he goes to see uh, this evangelist, and the guy hugs him and won't let go and say, "It's so good that you're here." I've got so much to talk to you about, but I've just got 90 minutes. So he sat down with him and he said, listen, I want you to know, this is the evangelist, this is God's mercy that I am here. In the first year that I was here, God dealt with the evil and the sin in my life. And he spoke and eventually John says, listen, I wanna ask you a question. You know, you were convicted of mail fraud prior to that. In 1983, you committed adultery. And then for seven years, you were doing this. Then you got found out. He said, I want to ask you one question. He said, I remember when you preached to thousands. There were tears in your eyes. You preached with conviction and you preached with boldness. When did you stop loving Jesus? And he said, I never stopped loving Jesus. He says, no, no, no. I don't think you understand the question. When did you stop loving Jesus that you did all of those things? He said, listen, John. I didn't stop loving Jesus. 
and says, he could see the confused face that I had and the evangelist said to me this, that it wasn't that I stopped loving Jesus. It was that I stopped fearing the Lord. Let's just let that sink in. If you major on one aspect of God's character and call for us, you will fall into error. God loves me, it's okay. God loves me, God loves me, God loves me. And yes, he absolutely does. Not only does he love you, he is love. And I want to unpack why and what is the fear of the Lord. And you see, in the Bible, we see two types of fear towards God. The parable of the talents is a good example. You've got the master Jesus um, who gives the, the, the different talents for the three different guys. says, right, take this, I'll be back. And uh, two of them invest it and there's a return on the other one. He buries it and he says, I did that because I was scared of your demands and what you would require of me. That is not a healthy, holy fear of the Lord. That is being scared of God. And that's a difference. Another very good example is in Exodus 20, 20. Moses went up to Mount Sinai after they came out of Egypt and he comes down and he says to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. Excuse me? Do not fear, for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. Well, that doesn't make sense, Moses. It either is or it isn't. Do not be scared of God, for God has come to test you, that the fear of the Lord of him may be before you, that may, you may not sin. Do you see the distinction? You see, a healthy, holy fear of God means we run towards him, not away from him. Are you hearing this? A healthy, holy fear of the Lord means we run towards him, not away from him, being scared. We believe in our hearts and our minds that God is so holy, so magnificent, so pure, so loving, so powerful, so awesome, that we would dare not run away at all from him, but that we'd only ever want to run towards him. That is a holy fear of God that we recognize his holiness and we esteem him much, that we want all of him and that we want to love what he loves so much that we run into his arms. That is the fear of the Lord. It is a holy reverence of God that we would so honor him as we sing with our lips that we want our lives to honor him too. And we come to him humbly and reverently and without any sense that God owes us anything. That's the holy fear of God, that we recognize who he is and that he is for us and that we want to run into his arms and run away, therefore, from everything else that is not him. That is the holy fear of God. It is not scared of a God that's looking to beat us over the head, to punish us. Now, caveat, if you are not yet in Christ, you may feel that terror of God, and that's called the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life. Maybe you're here this morning and you've yet to say yes to Jesus. And as I'm speaking, you're like, but Mark, I am terrified of God. Yeah, you should be. Because without saying yes to Jesus, you're gonna experience his wrath. That's the gospel, isn't it? 
But Jesus took that so you don't have to. That's the good news. That's the good news. God is a God of justice and he is a God of love. And he has made a way for us that whoever shall believeth in him will not perish but have eternal life. But as believers in Christ, as we've said yes to Jesus, we do not need to be scared of a God. We do not need to be uh, terrified of the punishment of God because Jesus took it all for us. That is the good news of the gospel. It says in the scriptures, Lord, would I have the joy of your salvation? There is a joy that comes as we recognize that we're his. And so the joy of the Lord is a fruit of the fear of God. Are you following? Are you tracking with me, people? I know it's really deep, but I said at the start of this series, I said, you know, enough with, with us playing in the water, water parks, the splash parks. God's calling us to the deep. This is the heart of this series, is if you want to say, I want to go deeper with God, then we're going to need to get into his word and his truth, because that's where the gold is. That's where the freedom is. That's where the life is. I don't want to be a Christian that just opens up the fridge and just grabs a Coke and, okay, I'm fine now and moves on. I want to get into the deep living waters of Jesus, don't you? I'm fed up paddling in the little bits and going, oh, I'm done now. I'm going to go back into the world. I'm, I'm preaching to myself. You can come along with me on the ride if you wish. I'm done asking God for more equipment for the splash part when he's saying, hey, son, there's a massive ocean I want you to dive into. Right, and so are we all there with the definition of the holy fear of God? Let's unpack the blessings of the fear of the Lord then because there are so many blessings that the enemy does not want you to know about. The first is this, it brings knowledge and wisdom. Proverbs 9.10 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you're praying, who prays here, Lord, I pray for your wisdom. If you're praying for that, you should be praying, Lord, first I pray for a healthy, holy fear of you. Otherwise, don't pray for wisdom. Why? Because the truth of who God is and who he, as he reveals himself in the word, comes from when we align ourselves with him. Yeah? And when we say, I only want what pleases you, God. That is the holy fear of God. I only want to do that which pleases my father. That is the fear of God. And from that place, he reveals his wisdom to us. Okay, fine, I'll show you, son, daughter. The fear of the Lord is the place at which wisdom and knowledge flows from because the fear of the Lord brings us into alignment with him. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Wisdom and knowledge. What's the root of wisdom and knowledge? A holy fear of God. Number two, keeps us from sinning. And this is where I referenced the conversation at the start of this talk. When a brother in Christ said, you know, how do I move on? I want to walk in holiness. And I would say a holy fear of God will keep you from sinning. Um, Deuteronomy 5.29 says this. Oh, that they had such a heart as this always. Listen, to fear me and to keep all my commandments. We keep God's commandments not because we feel compelled to and we feel like if we don't, we'll get bashed over the head. We keep his commandments because we want to reverence a holy God and we recognize that he loves us and his commandments are there to bless us and we want to align ourselves with the Almighty. That is the outworking of the fear of the Lord, you see. And therefore, in that place, we keep his commandments. But it starts with a holy, healthy fear of the Lord. 
We want to keep his commandments because of a healthy awareness of his holy law. We are called, as we looked last week, that we are called to be holy as he is. Um, 2 Corinthians 7.1, Paul says this to the church in Corinth. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves, listen, from every defilement of body and spirit. Bring in holiness to completion in the love of God, no. Uh, in the grace of God, no. In the fear of God, what? When did you stop loving Jesus? I didn't. I just stopped fearing him. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bring holiness to completion in the fear of God. If you're saying last week and you're saying this week, I want to walk in the holiness of God, then you've got to embrace the fear of the Lord and the blessing that comes from that. I want to give you my own story. I think growing up, um, and I, I, I'm, I'm grateful of, of a blessing of parents that brought my brother and up uh, in the scriptures and um, the church that we went to, I always had a, a, a fear of the Lord. There was this sense that there was lines that I didn't want to cross because I knew he, this God was holy and he was magnificent. And it was that holy fear of God that came, kept me celibate until I got married. It wasn't the love of God although I, I, I experienced the love of God, that kept me from sinning. It was a fear of the Lord that kept me from going over that line and sinning in that way. If it wasn't for the fear of the Lord, I wouldn't have remained celibate until I got married, which, as you guys know, is the call for all, all of us. The sexual activity is therefore a, as a blessing of the covenant of marriage. It is not to be used outside. That's another talk for, for another time as well. We'll put that in the list. We've got four talks there. But it was the fear of God that kept me from sinning. And I, I would love to say that our modern church, and I use the word church global, because we have so lost the healthy, holy understanding of the fear of the Lord, and we have majored on the things that are easy to us, it is easier, therefore, to fall into sin. Preach it, brother. Thank you very much. <clears throat> Number three, it cleanses us and brings us life. Proverbs 14, 27, for the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. There is a, and this in some respect is a summary of all the blessings. And uh, in the John Bevere book here that I mentioned, which is an amazing book, he lists at the end 19 plus blessings that come with the fear of the Lord. 19 plus that the scriptures demonstrate and somehow we've managed to ignore. But the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. You see, what is the thing about a snare? It is both hidden and it has a bait. The thing about a snare, it is hidden and there is a bait. That's why we get trapped, of course. But you see, it's the fear of the Lord that is a fountain of life that protects us from the hidden, bait-filled traps that the enemy sets for us. And that is where you will see victory in your life with the holy fear of the Lord. So how do we walk in the fear of God? Because I don't know about you, but that's my question. It's like, yes, yeah, sign me up, preacher. I'm, I'm all there with you. You know, you're right. I haven't really thought about it, but I want to think about it. 
And you know what? I want to walk in the holy fear of the Lord, but you tell me how I start. Thank you for asking me that question. I've got some good news and some bad news for you. So I'll give you the bad news first. There is no five-step model for this one. Sorry. There is no magic formula that means you could just do da 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 and then you've got the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord comes with the knowledge and experience of a holy God. I'll say that again. Fear of the Lord comes with the knowledge and experience of our holy God. Who felt the magnificence of God as we were in that time of worship and as I read Revelation out to you? Who felt, you don't have to put your hands up, but who felt the presence of a magnificent, holy, almighty God? And yet because... feeling convicted right now myself. Because I don't get into the scriptures enough and work out who this God is and read about who he is and his holiness and where is revelation anyway and why should I read that and why should I read the Old Testament and blah, 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 blah. Because I don't read about God and understand the knowledge of who he is, it doesn't lead to holy fear. Because what I've done is I constructed my view of God and my view of God is a cosmic Santa Claus that loves me no matter what and therefore I can do whatever I want to do. When did you stop loving Jesus? I never stopped loving Jesus, but I stopped fearing the Lord. But we also experience him. And that what brings us, what a great introduction, to our anchor text, which was Luke 5, 1 to 11. Seriously. In that story, we see the fear of the Lord here. But when Simon Peter saw, when he had a revelation of who Jesus was by the fact of this miracle, what happens? It says this. He fell down. Jesus' knees say, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Oh, what was that? A revelation of a holy God. We see that so many times in Scripture. What about Isaiah 6, 4 to 5? And the fountains, foundations, and the thresholds shook at the voice of God who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man. Of unclean lips, I am not God as I thought I may be. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King. That is a holy, reverent fear of the Lord, and it comes from an experience and in a knowledge of a holy God that we worship. God is going to break some God boxes this morning. He's bigger, more almighty, more powerful, more loving, more kind than we can ever know. And it is as we experience that, that we fall on our knees and say, wow, I want to run towards you, God, not run away from you. I'd like to invite the band up as I bring this plane into a land. I want to read you something, actually. Ten years, almost to this day, I had an experience over there, my right, your left. It was November the 3rd, 2013. We had guest speakers Ellie Mumford, who at the time, Ellie and John, were our national directors of uh, the Vineyard UK. It's now John and Debbie Wright, as you may know. And I had such an experience that I actually, the next day, or in fact, on the Tuesday, I emailed my family in Australia, and I emailed them what had happened, and I'm going to read you an excerpt from that email of what happened to me. This is me writing. 
I re- and, and I'd written some other stuff before, and this was the next thing I want to read. I remember feeling, and I was laid down like there on the floor, couldn't move. It was over an hour and a half. I remember feeling that I was in the presence of God, that I couldn't speak. I tried, but it was as if I was under anesthetic. And then I opened my eyes, disorientated, and I could make out, and I list the people that were around praying for me. And then someone said to me, you've seen your saviour, Mark. And as she spoke the words, I had such an intense feeling of his presence. In fact, I would say that while in the natural, my eyes didn't see him, my spirit did, at least at some measure. And I cried out from the depth of my belly, he was, he is holy, and I am undone. As Isaiah said when he saw the Lord, I didn't see his face, but he was there. And the awfulness of God, and I got here in brackets, I use that word in its historical way to describe the awe of God was so great that I thought I'd disintegrate. And I remember it to this day. There was a notion that I was being disintegrated in the presence of a holiness. And I think I even said words to that effect, I can't take it, Lord. It wasn't that I was scared. It was like a purging feeling. Truly, words to describe what happened are inadequate. That is a holy, holy healthy fear of God. The question for each one of us is, are we going to walk in that? Because we are called to fear God in a holy, healthy way. Can we stand as I pray before we worship?